Hey, homebodies. Welcome back to the Introvert City, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. Hey, homebodies. Welcome back. <laughs> I literally don't know how to move on from here. <laughs> Guys, it's uh, getting hard to do small talk in the beginning. We just want to jump right into the to the episode. But I have such a headache right now. Yeah. I'm so dying. today's going to be a little more easy going. Easy. How was your week? My week was weird. Um, So it's like the week after Easter. And I feel like after Resurrection Sunday, everyone's either like, like at the next Sunday, everyone's either like, yeah, God, yeah. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, wow, Easter's over. Like, But we had Baptism Sunday, so like that, I think that kept the, the presence pretty good. It was really great. Uh, our service at Journey was pretty great. So you said it was weird, though. Like, what made you feel weird? Did you feel like the presence of God wasn't as evident to you? Well, I just think that every time I feel like you come out of a big out of like an area where there's a big presence of God and you really feel God's presence strongly. Mm-hmm. The days when you're kind of not in church or around church people feel kind of off or as if you're not really, it feels like you're separated from that. It's like coming back from youth retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then plus like there wasn't a, a small group last week. There wasn't like a, a choir rehearsal last week. So it just like everything kind of slowed down. So it was that. good weird. It was it was just a it was just a yeah, it was just a out of yeah. out of the loop weird. But you know, that makes me think of something that you said a while back. So when Seth and I had been dating for about I think it was a year at this point, maybe a year and a half, almost two years. I really don't remember. Everything's mushed together. But we started attending a Bible study at one of my friend's house my friend's houses, grammar, and this is where I noticed that you started to get more vocal about your theological questions. And me too. Like we both had room to break from our shells. And one thing that you had said that kind of honestly, like I, I still think about it to this day. You said that God's pres- like God is always present even when we don't feel him, you know? And it's like now that I say it, it's like, oh, well, we already knew that. But I, like the way you phrased it was a way that I hadn't heard it before. Because you were saying something like, oh, you know, everyone wants to talk about the presence of God when we're worshiping or when we're in community, but God is always present and there's nothing we can do about it, even when we don't want him to be present, even when we want to do things in private. It's like, he doesn't go anywhere. He exists in the ordinary, he exists in the profound, and he exists in the valleys and the mountains all the time, everywhere. Did I say that? Yeah. kind of crazy. I think I don't think you remember because I think you were just like you just said it because it was a thought. But to me, I was like, that's really good. You were talking about his omnipresence. Yeah. And it just kind of makes me think like if God is always there, what makes it so that in certain moments we see him clearer and in certain moments we may feel like he's not showing up as much. So like when do you feel like you sense the presence of God? Real quick before I answer that question, I think that's interesting, the idea of God's presence being literally everywhere. We just recently talked to someone about this again, too, um, that, uh, like, God is right here, right now, you know, for the both of us, 
watching our podcast with us, listening to the podcast with us, <laughs> you know. But then at the same time, he is also, you know, in, in China helping someone do something over there. He's in Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in Europe. He's in Africa. You know, like God, God is God is everywhere all at once. He's it's like that movie, but he's everywhere. <laughs> like he's he's literally everywhere. God is actually everywhere. And we say that and we're like, oh, God's omnipotent. But we look at him as like, you know, I, I feel like oftentimes we think about God as just this big dude standing in the skies, you know, watching over all of us. Th- when I think of it, I think I think of You're like, saying like he's personal to you. Yeah, like I think of a bunch of different of the same Jesus, of the same God, but he just, you know, he kind of splits himself up into like for everyone because everyone has their own struggle. Everyone has their own relationship with God. And the fact that everyone has that relationship is kind of insane. And isn't it amazing that God walks alongside of us no matter how heavy each of our burdens is? Like, I used to feel very, very guilty for crying about first world problems you know, if it was a really bad time um, emotionally or in physical pain, like if I'm crying over a stomach ache, I would feel really bad about that because I'm like, oh, people across the world are crying because they're starving and they don't have enough. And I just think it's amazing that in the same way that God walks alongside, I can't speak today, alongside someone in grief and in loss and in deep emotional pain, he's also walking alongside alongside someone in physical pain. Yeah, it's like I, I never had to feel guilty about crying over things or about feeling sad because God made me with the emotions that he made me and God feels those emotions alongside of me in the mm-hmm. same way that someone dealing with very intense pain is that's happening to them. No, yeah, and that's a good point. That's a really good point because oftentimes we say, oh, Sometimes you say, oh, well, at least you're not this or this isn't happening or, you know, there are children dying in Africa. There are homeless people. Thing is, though, that's awful. That's terrible. But that doesn't take your pain away. That just now makes you feel now, oh, wow, I feel like crap. And then they feel like even worse crap. And I'm complaining about feeling like less crap than they do. So now I feel like more crap, you know. (laughs) So now it just makes you feel worse about something that you can't control you know, so then you feel worse about something that you can probably control mm-hmm. if you were helped and, and talked to correctly. Right. And I let you that someone said to you, um, oh, well, there there are there are kids who are starving. There are homeless people. You, you, you can't you can't cry. Don't cry. You know, that's just just like, well, now I'm going to cry because I, I suck. Now yeah, I'm the worst <laughs> person ever. I'm so selfish. <laughs> Now, definitely don't take advantage of that. No, yeah. Don't be like, you know, well, I'm not going to give an example because I don't want to invalidate anyone's experience. But don't take advantage of being like, oh, I'm going to be rude to this person and it's okay because I'm just sad and God's going to forgive me. Like, no, that's not what we're saying. Understand that it's not about you understanding it. It's about God helping you get through it. Because I feel like oftentimes we look at these other problems and say that they're so terrible when they are. Just because a problem is worse than yours doesn't mean your problem is fixed. And you saying to yourself, oh, well, this person has a worse problem, so I shouldn't worry about it, is you trying to take God out of the equation. Mm -hmm. When in reality, you saying, yeah, this does suck, 
but God can help me. And because I love God, God will take care of me. That's really when God steps in. But let me go back to the question that I asked you, which was, where do you feel like you sense the presence of God? Because as we said, God is omnipresent, but it's interesting how he gave us different gifts and how we're able to use those gifts. And I feel like when we use them, we each notice him in a unique way that maybe another ordinary person wouldn't notice him. So what do you feel like that is for you? Um, for me, I definitely notice God in music and, and, and instruments and, and singing in music in general. That's where I think I notice God the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you notice God the most? I hope this isn't cliche, but it's always been in nature for me. And I think both of us can sense God in a whole bunch of things and in all types of different scenarios. But we're talking about things that are most prevalent to us. So I would say for me, it's nature. For me, when I when I say music, I don't just mean, oh, when I go to worship on Sundays, that's the only time I feel God's glor- gloriousness. It's the only time that I feel close to God at all. I mean, through music in general, secular or not, when I hear good music and when I feel like music is making a statement and there's something good being put out through it, uh, that's when I sense God's presence the most. That's when I get probably the most emotional response out of anything when, when, when I hear music and when I feel like there's good music. That's when I get, I think I, I'm the closest to God, which is probably why I, I, I do music. You know, uh, if you guys uh, don't know, uh, I actually make music uh, on uh, on the side. Uh, Which is awesome. It's underscore Daniel. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But a big thing that I like to do through my music is I try to make sure that the listener knows exactly how I'm feeling when I'm writing what I'm writing. Because for me, like lyrics and, and the way the song generally sounds it's art. It's something that needs to be taken more seriously than just, you know, putting an 808 over a piano sample, you know? Because you any anyone can do that. That was super musical terms. Any, I don't even know what he just said. Any anyone could take a simple drum beat and put it over, you know, a pretty piano. But there's only certain people that can take that and make it their own. Because not because 9 times out of 10 you take 10 music producers, you know, who are seasoned, give them the same sample, they will probably use it in a plethora of different ways. And that's something to me that I see and I'm like, wow. God literally saw them make that, knew they were all going to do that from one thing and saw them make all of that just from one thing. He saw them make ten completely different sounds, completely different forms of forms of that same sample, completely different songs. To me, that's really incredible, and I find that really amazing. I find it amazing that just one thing can be taken and stressed and stretched over so many ideas. That's why I think sampling is actually really cool, and I think a lot of people give sampling a bad rap every now and then because oh, you're just you're not being original, and you're and you're using you're using something that really isn't yours, but I think there's an art in efficiently sampling something. Um, I, I think when you sample something, you can give something that was already done a new take. You can give a new take on something that was already done. And to me, that's really interesting. 
Because why let something that 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 you ha- were inspired from and you can see something else happening over that same beat, why let it be dead? Why let it be just one way? Um, certain artists, I think, uh, are able to bring older sounds and make them sound better. Are people like, you know, A Tribe Called Quest, Kendrick Lamar, even as far as Christian artists go, I think people like Lecrae are really good at that as well. Um, yeah, I, I think over, and I think overall, you find, especially I think in rap and hip hop, a lot of creativity that a lot of people end up not seeing because, you know, commercial rap and hip hop is so overtaken by mumble rappers, autotune, drill. Uh, hey, don't hate on me. I'm from New York, but it's just that I'm not a huge fan of drill rap. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, I think that oftentimes people will look at things like rap and just say that, oh, it's, it's not of God. It's, it's so, it's so bad. It's so bad for the youth. When I think in reality, I think there are so many things you look at that and you say, wow, it's amazing that God allowed this person to write such an amazing masterpiece. It's a, it's amazing that God was in his hand for every single word this person wrote. That to me is incredible. Hmm. It, it's interesting because I think even non-Christian artists who are putting out bad messages in their music are still creating. And when we create, we are partnering with God in that creation because us humans are the only living thing. We're the only living things that bear the image of God. And so God, as the creator of the universe, is giving us the gift of also being like him and being able to create. So as we create music and art, whether you are playing an instrument or singing or drawing or painting or I agree with what you said about rapping I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of technique and things that you have to master in 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 an art like that I think about um first Corinthians 31 which tells us to do everything for the glory of God everything we do is for the glory of God and when we create things we are simultaneously partnering with God whether we realize it or not, and I think that's really cool to think about. Mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting, and especially when I think it comes to music, I think music has such a has such a special place in the life of a Christian, and in the and in the in the eyes of God, especially. Just like it says in Colossians three sixteen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God, and spiritual songs to God. Might be. Uh, I think it's so incredible because oftentimes we can look at secular music too. And just music in general is something that puts you in a high, puts you in a place where, where you know, you, you feel a whole lot better because music is playing. And, you know, the, the, there has to be a time where you have to kind of stop music and, and look at life. But I think music, you can take advantage of it. And it's okay to feel really strongly connected to God when there's music being played. Mm. I think I think I think oftentimes we say it's not about the worship. It's not about this. <laughs> but I think that worship I think that worship is so important cuz it's a time where you fully devote all that you're doing to praising God. Mm-hmm. I think it's because you know, you can listen to a sermon and check out honestly. You can check out from a sermon completely. You do that with worship too, but from a sermon, you don't actually have to do anything interactive at all. You really don't, you know? Um, 
Whereas for worship, it's completely about that intimate moment between you and God. I think that's so important, and a lot of Christians overlook it because we like to think of, you know, worship today as, you know, just a bunch of people standing up in a room watching, you know, a concert. Mm. And and, and even so, even in, you know, bigger churches where they have uh, worship like that, you can still have a really good connection with God and a really good time being spiritual and, and worshiping with Christ. Okay, so now you're talking about worship specifically, but when I asked you the question, you said that you connected to God when you listened to music in general. And I know we, both of us are of the opinion that, you know, it's completely okay to listen to secular music as long as nothing that we believe is sinful is being promoted. But we both, both of us listen to secular music as long as it's a good message. Do you still find the presence of God even in secular music? Of course I do. In what way? I do think that there's a lot you can see of God or even you can see of just genuinely incredible creativity and and presence and gifts from God in a lot of secular artists. Um, just recently, uh, an artist I listened to, um, Donny Hathaway, probably a lot of you know him, who wasn't primarily a Christian artist, um, even though, you know, he had a couple songs that said this and that, but uh, I just listened to Extension of Man, which is one of the greatest albums I have ever heard. Genuinely. Like, uh, it's probably in my top five right now, and I just listened to it. But it is completely without, you know, it, it's not a Christian work. It isn't. It is completely secular when you really look at it from, from an outsider perspective. But it has such incredible, rich vocals, incredible, rich instrumentation, some of the best composition in experimental R&B and soul that I've ever heard. That cannot come without God giving someone a gift. God can still give someone a gift, even if that person chooses to use that gift in a way that's, you know, hard, you know, or, or in a way that we might see as, you know, very raunchy or 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 very over the top and very uh, profane. You know, I, I look at artists, e- even like um, even like Kendrick Lamar, who also is not a primarily a Christian artist, but has some of the best writing, I think, in the game, in all of music, period, ever. Um, like when you when you look at albums like uh, Good Kid, Mad City, or, or Tapema Butterfly, there is such incredible writing, just in, even in the interludes, just such incredible writing that you look at it and you say, this isn't, this isn't a Christian artist. This isn't an artist who calls himself a Christian artist. Why is it so good then? Why is it so powerful when you listen to it? You know, like, or even looking at like Blonde by Frank Ocean is not a Christian. He's not a Christian artist at all. Completely secular. But that's one of the most beautiful albums I've ever heard. But again, looking at it and saying, this isn't a Christian artist. This is completely secular. Why does it sound so amazing? Why is it so emotional? Why does it draw such an emotional response from me? A Christian. I think that's because even if, even if you say they're a secular artist, even if they are a secular artist, God can still give them a gift however he wants because God can portray a message through whoever he wants. You know? Like, so, like uh, albums like Miss Morale and the Big Steppers actually helped me out through a pretty tough time in my life. Listening to songs from that album, that came out right around the time I had like my really big emotional experience with God. Um, song listening to songs off of, off of that album 
really made me be more in touch with my personal self, looking at myself as a person, not just as, you know, a Christian, as a Christian, as a Hispanic, as a boy, as an artist, as just kind of a person, you know, mm-hmm. kind of looking at myself as a person in general. And it helped me actually fight through a lot of problems, you know, e- even though it's, it's completely a secular album, but looking at it, I really felt like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot more in me than I really think there is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people have the power to be able to draw out, that people have the power to be able to draw out these incredible stories is just incredible. Even non-secular artists or even secular artists, they're able to draw such powerful responses and emotional responses from Christians through secular music. It's incredible. That's a gift from God. Some people take it and they want to make, you know, raunchy music. They want to make suggestive music. They want to make, you know, music that's really, really, you know, like uh, not beneficial for you to listen to. Do you think that those people are like distorting their gifts or maybe perverting their gifts that they were given? I think sometimes you can say that. Yeah, I totally believe that. Like, I think that, you know, of course, you know, with the Beatles, a lot of Christians have certain opinions of, of the Beatles and their music because of, you know, the famous thing that John Lennon said, do you know? you know, about uh, like the thing that John Lennon said about Jesus and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. However, the Beatles have made some of the best art ever. (laughs) Um, Eleanor Rigby is one of the best songs ever recorded. Uh, However, again, from artists who are not Christians, it's a complete secular artist. But again, they've been given such a great gift. Maybe they'd be distorting it a little bit and not, is, is it not in God's image? Probably, you know. However, does that mean they can't still make great art? Why? Why would it mean that they still can't use that gift? I think you explained yourself very well. That was, thank you for sharing that. And I think a lot of people might come up with the, might try to counter you by saying, oh, music manipulates emotions. But we kind of talked about that last week. And like you were saying, it's not about feeling all the things that you feel. Of course, feelings play a part. But the main thing that you're paying attention to is the artistry the harmony, the lyrics, the little pieces that you have to master and put together, the wordplay, you know? Like, that is what shows the creativity that God has given these people. And it's incredible, too, because people want to say that music is bad or this or that and that. But even in a time when we didn't even have music theory, like in the early church, in the early Catholic church, when they were using plain chant and Gregorian chant to sing, a lot of them were singing in terms that weren't even like normal music theory, but like that they would put it into like certain things like, you know, for any music people out there into like Mixolydian, which is very not, you know, normally structured. But that's because they didn't really know music theory at the time, but they were still able to make some incredibly, incredible sounding music, some beautiful sounding plain chant and Gregorian chant. A lot of people look at it as, oh, it's just people shouting and singing and singing, oh, but it's actually beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. To me, it's beautiful, yep. you know, to the average person, you might just say it's not, it's you know something you don't want to listen to, but that's something that even when they didn't know what the type of music they were singing was, they still sang it and it was still for God and it still is amazing mm-hmm. and beautiful. It really is beautiful. That That's how I feel. Yep. Amazing. So you often see God in nature. Why? Why is that? Where do you see God in nature? Yeah. So I wrote a speech a couple of years ago 
um, if I haven't mentioned it in previous episodes, uh, I really enjoy writing speeches. I enjoy performing them, which is interesting because I am an introvert, but I feel like when I'm on stage, I can, I can kind of step out of my introverted shell. And mm. when I realize that I have the chance to make an impact, I become completely extroverted and willing to share and willing to not play a role on stage because I'm, I'm not playing a role, but I'm, I'm willing to be more confident than I am in my private life. So I, I really, I've been writing speeches for a few years and I, I love, I love public speaking, but I wrote a speech when I was in high school. Um, it was a, uh, it was, the prompt was given to everyone in the class. It was like a, this, it was this, I believe, which for those of you who went to public school probably had to write one of those speeches where you take a subject that you're passionate about. It could be anything as simple as I believe that 2% milk is superior to whole milk, or it could be something as serious as I believe that, you know, people, I believe in evolution, something like that. I chose to be on the more serious side and I wasn't trying to prove Christianity necessarily. My speech was, I believe in God, that God exists, point blank, period. Um, and I got a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people who it seemed like they were questioning, maybe venturing into agnosticism. Well, and the main awesome. reason, my supporting reason, was I gave a story of when I, I was taking a walk one time and... It was the sun was setting and I was alone in a park and I just looked up at the sky and I smiled because I felt the presence of someone greater than me. Mm. I just felt it. And I know it's not very logical or factual and no one can really, you know, a lot of people could argue with me w on that and be like, oh, you were just manipulated by the beauty surrounding you or whatever. Okay, stop right there. We're talking about beauty that is surrounding us. Of course, that's going to make me feel positive and that's going to make me feel some type of way but if we're living in a culture that is validating people and their emotions then I think that I deserve to be validated in the fact that I felt the presence of someone greater and I have always felt the presence of someone greater watching me throughout my entire life so can I ask how does that affect your prayer life because it right. seems like if if you see so much in nature and you feel very in touch with your spiritual side, how does your prayer look like? How does your prayer time look like? Yeah. So I get nervous when I talk about seeing God in nature because I don't want people to misinterpret that and think that I'm like a tree hugger and that... <laughs> a hippie? I think God is... I think that the trees are God and the grass is God and you and me are God. We're all God. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> I just believe that God shows himself so evidently throughout his creation. People want to talk about facts and evidence for God. I think what we're seeing in front of us is number one. Mm -hmm. Romans one twenty, which is one of my favorite verses, says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. This is Paul writing. Who's they? They are without excuse. I think he's talking about unbelievers. Not necessarily people who aren't Christian, but people who don't believe in God, period. People who don't believe that the universe was created, but rather that it came together through energy or, you know, 
some unexplainable thing that it just naturally came together and that it wasn't created. I believe and I will believe till the day I die that this world was created by Mm. a higher being. Mm. And of course, as a Christian, I believe in the triune God. I believe, um, yeah, I believe that the triune God created the universe, that um, the God of the Bible created the universe. And I don't know, I just see so much symbolism in nature, like I was talking about in the last episode, like I feel like in the winter, the trees look dead and they look like they're kind of dying and crying out to God with their with their crooked branches. And then in the spring, they're brought back to life and it looks like they're praising God again and they're worshiping God again and they're rejoicing in the fact that God is unchanging. God orchestrates the changing of the seasons year after year and I can rest in that. I can rest in knowing that this winter act absolutely sucks But in the springtime, I'm going to rejoice alongside of the rest of creation. So yes, I see God in the rivers. I see God in the trees. I see God in the blooming flowers. And that's what I have to say about that. Amen. That was, was, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Look at my girlfriend being the Lord. And I used to get mad at Seth because (laughs) I would be like, we would be driving and there would be a sunset. And I'd be like, wow, look at this guy that God painted tonight. Isn't it amazing? And he'd be like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you see God so clearly in this moment? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> hey, and not hey. to say that you don't recognize God in nature, but it's like, I just think we have separate little knacks and routines and ways that we notice God. Because, you know, there'll be a song playing and you'll be like, wow, I hear all the different techniques. I hear the different pieces coming together in this piece. And I'm like, this song's I. You know? Not for real. There's times where I feel like I've sent you a song and I'm like, this is so good. This is so amazing. This changed my life. And you're like, it's all right. Anyways. Pass. On that note. <laughs> on that note. On that note. On that note. Thank you guys for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this episode caused you to think about some things in your personal life um, that you were able to point out and pick out that made you kind of realize, hey, I think I find God in these ways. I think I have intimacy with God in these moments in my own life. And I also hope that for our introverts out there, that they understand that it's okay to feel really passionate about seeing God in music and in nature. Because oftentimes we can be really scared because we don't want people to think we're hippies or just music freaks or like, oh, wow, this song was just so this. This movie was that. This was incredible. This like, or, or just... Believe how you want to believe and understand that the way that you have your relationship with God is is completely for you. That is for you. The community is something different, but the way you look at God, have your relationship and see God in the real world is up to you. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're like, oh my gosh, wow, this album changed my life. I'm a different man. Awesome. You know, and if someone's, like, if someone's like, hey, this album was light. That's okay too, mm-hmm. you know? If you're like, wow, man, the Lorax really spoke to me when I watched it. That's great. Listen, but- <laughs> I saw the Lord work so heavily in the Lorax. No, for real. She even got me a Lorax stuff, stuff little stuff. I love the Lorax. The original Lorax movie. Oh, we're it's not good. talking about the new one. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. The original we're talking about one. the OG. The original one. Anyways. I actually love the original Lorax, and I can talk about it for so long. But anyway. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> we'll be back next week, you guys. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore introvert underscore city. And we are on TikTok now. We are on TikTok. 
Same username. Tickety tockety, tickety tockety. Go support us. In our link tree. We love you guys. Tickety tockety. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, homebodies. Bye. <laughs>